What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another No Regrets Marriage Podcast. I'm Johnny Morton, your host, joined not only by my wife, Carla, but we have two special guests today, and we're going to be doing a two-part broadcast with them. We have Brad and Jody Sapp with us, and I'm going to let them tell you more about their story, but we are so excited that they're here and that they have a chance to share their story with everybody. It's just a, it's a powerful story of God's grace and his love and his mercy and of them doing whatever it takes to stay together and keep their marriage together. And in this world that we live in today, when marriage is under attack in so many places, man, it's just a powerful, powerful testimony to those of you out there who may be going through some real struggles in your marriage right now. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing from them. So you want to say something to us, Jody? <laughs> sure. Um, my name is Jody. I'm married to Brad. We've been married for 21 years. I uh, is that yeah. right, Brad? 21, 21 years. That's okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> Headed towards 22, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, we have two kids, Lawson and Bella. Lawson's a senior. Bella's a sophomore. Um, do you want us to say? Yeah. So, what, Jody, what are you doing right now? And then we'll bring Brad in. So, um, Brad and I founded Crossroads Recovery Ministries in 2016, so we both work um, in the ministry. I handle donor relations, um, events, that sort of thing, and then I'm also a licensed counselor. And so my office is at Crossroads. I see people in the community, but also see our residents and their families. Okay. So, Brad, you are doing Um, the day-to-day Stuff yep. at the Crossroads Plus, you also do heating and air. Too. That's heating right. and air. Yeah, okay. yeah. I am founder and director of Crossroads Recovery Ministries. It's a men's uh, recovery facility where we focus on primarily on transition for men to help them work and uh, while learning how to stay clean and look at what's behind uh, their addiction. Typically, not what are they doing, but why. Um, and mm-hmm. I am an overseer and director there, founded it, and then I'm also a state licensed heating and air contractor. So I do HVAC during the day while our guys are working and out and about. Um, I'm catching calls and installing air conditioning units, and you teach those guys a trade skill also when applicable. So you stay busy. I stay busy. Don't have a lot of free time. Not at all, (laughs) especially with a senior and sophomore in school. And, you know, life is definitely uh, busy, but it's, um, it's never been as full in so many different ways as it is right now okay that is awesome to hear let's go back Mm. because you talked about that y'all started crossroads recovery ministry but it's really because of your story that you started crossroads Mm -hmm. um you know i know that when you were in college you lost your dad Mm -hmm. and how much of that was that sort of the impetus that sort of led you down the road or were there other things that sort of precipitated? It is. It is definitely the catalyst uh, that that derailed me for a long time. Um, Looking back, I did see a lot of death growing up. I mean, it confused me. It made me angry. I didn't understand it. So when I was 21, my dad owned a heating and air company, and he, it was putting in a system that caught on fire, and, and he died as a result of the oh, burns wow. that he sustained from that. And, you know, I went from being a 21-year-old typical college kid that thought he had the rest of his life to figure out what he actually wanted to do um, to, okay, now your dad's gone. He had a company. Uh, what are you going to do? And I did not know how to ask anyone for help or to tell them that I'm hurting and I'm sad and I'm confused. Mm. Uh, so 
I had in, previously I had sports in my life. I had structure and accountability through my parents and stuff. And when I lost my dad, that was kind of the the thing that derailed me in the sense that okay, I don't have the structure. My life's been turned upside down, and instead of asking people for help, I masked it with alcohol and with drugs. And that is the thing that led me down a, a path of many years of poor choices and destruction. Wow. So. So that started in college? And I knew from, I'm one of those guys that I knew from an early age that pain pills did more than just take away pain for me. Um, they affected me differently. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I knew that when I got hurt, I could take something for the pain, but it, it did more than just numb the pain. It actually made me feel good. So I played around with it in college and drank too much, like most college kids and stuff. Um, but when my dad died, it went from, partying to have fun to numbing a pain gotcha something an anger and a hurt that I'm covering up and I'm masking that I don't want anybody to see so I just use more of it um until eventually it controlled me mm -hmm. were y'all what what age were y'all when you got married we were 22 23 22 23 yeah. all right so your dad had died before you got married that's right yeah we were okay. high school sweethearts so we oh, were together okay. you know we've known each other our whole lives friends were friends and stuff and so we went to junior senior prom together and then uh, got engaged and got married right about a year after my dad had passed away mm -hmm. shortly thereafter two years we got married two years two years that's right yeah. yep okay so jody um you know did you realize how much he was struggling how long was it before you began to see something's not right here? Yeah, no, I didn't know immediately. Um, Brad has a pretty good poker face. Yeah, and, I hit it well. And I he did. is very functional. Um, he was very functional, even as an mm -hmm. addict. And we often say now those are the worst kinds, right? Because it mm -hmm. takes them a lot longer to kind of oh, yeah. hit their bottom because they are doing all the things. Um, so we, like I first knew, I guess, in... 2004 was kind of the first um, eye-opening experience when I realized he was abusing pain medication. Um, I confronted him, and God love him. He was always such a willing participant. He always, I have no experience with the people that say, you know, that, that their spouse will not admit they have a problem or refuse to go. Brad always knew. I mean, I think he knew deep down he had a problem, and he was always willing to go. Um, we just had a problem with it sticking for a mm -hmm. long time. So he would go to lots of programs and detoxes, and he'd stay clean for seven or eight months, then he'd fall off the wagon again. So that was kind of 2004 is really what kicked it off. And then we just kind of went into the spiral, I guess, from there for the next 10 to 12 years. Mm -hmm. That was kind of our um, our story, that he would go to a program, he would get clean, He'd do okay for a little while, then he'd fall off the wagon again. So, did 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 people know? I mean, did other people know kind of where you were at that point? I don't think so. I mean, I think especially early on, Jody Jody hit it well mm -hmm. for me. Jody, um, did you hide it because you didn't want anybody to know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah. think I Is think the shame okay. was just as great for me. Okay. Um, probably as it was for him. And so, yeah, it took me a long time to get to the place. Actually, it was no longer bound um, in 2013 before I got to the place where I could say, listen, the, the, this is where we are. I mean, that, so that was the first time, February of 2013, when I said, 
when people asked me where he was, I said, well, he's in rehab. You know, this is what we're dealing with. And it took me a long time to get to that place. Because he said that he was functional, so he's able to go and do and all of that stuff. And you're living with this that's somewhat a secret from the community as a whole. How did that impact your relationship with each other? It was hard. It was hard, as you can imagine. Um, you know, I think for a long time, I, I always say I was just kind of in that mode of covering up to keep up. I was covering up and keeping up, you know, just constantly. Because on the outside, you wouldn't have looked at us and thought that was a struggle that we were dealing with. And, you know, he didn't miss a beat in the sense, um, you know, he didn't go missing for days at a time or he didn't miss work. He didn't miss church. He was still very helpful with the children. Now, you know, obviously looking back, even when he was present, he wasn't totally present. He wasn't really there with us, you know, emotionally. But um, he was he was super functional for a long time. Um, but you can't stay that way forever. Eventually, it's going to all come mm-hmm. to a head. It just took a lot longer for us, I guess, you know, than it often does for people. But um, I always say it's kind of like the guy in the circus that's spinning the plates in the air. You know, you can only keep all Eventually those plates going yep. for so long, and that, that was our case. Yeah, and I, I can say that, you know, I honestly hadn't thought about this until you asked that question, um, but it, it took a huge toll on our relationship. But I, I think looking back, you know, when I say that my dad's death was the catalyst that sent me down that road because it hurts so much, and my dad was, he was the structure, right? He was mm-hmm. the one that I would look at, and, you know, I wanted him to be proud of me, whether I'm playing sports or I'm working hard or whatever, you know, like like I've learned now to look at God. Yeah. Well, but my dad was who I looked at that way, and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. So I lost all of that, and I and I was literally lost. And so, in our relationship, those years of in and out of rehabs and stuff. I mean, I think part of me was pushing her away so hard that I was protecting myself from losing a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, that I didn't expect to lose because you know my dad's here one day, all of a sudden the accident happens and he's gone. You don't know how to grieve that. You don't know how to – you didn't get a chance to say goodbye. So rather than, than wake up and her just leave or, or die in an accident, you know, I can push her away and she'll, leave, she'll then leave so that I can protect myself from the disappointment of somebody dying or being gone. Mm. And for I'm fortunate enough where she loved me through every bit of it, and I am so grateful for it. And I'm just reminded of that right now. Mm. I am. Jody, I know you said that you sort of did your best to hide it because you were embarrassed by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, were you angry at him? Were you, what was your feelings towards Brad? Oh, for sure. I was angry. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely had my moments of anger. And I think, you know, in the beginning, like so many young couples, I had this vision, right, of what our marriage was going to look mm-hmm. like and how it was going to go. And I, I essentially had him on a pedestal. Um, and then he fell really hard and it was like, oh my gosh, I remember having these conversations with God, like, what are you doing? Like, this can't be right. You know, I'm, I've done the right things and, you know, I'm a good girl and, you know, all these things, why is this happening? But, but looking back, like in God's providence, like he had put me in these places, these Bible studies and and around these strong, godly women, looking back, I can so clearly see how he was preparing me for what I was about to face. I had, mm-hmm. I had no idea, mm-hmm. but um, I was in all the right places, um, and he was preparing me for the storm that was coming, I think. Mm-hmm. So do you think that while you were going through this, it actually drove you towards Oh, for God? sure, for sure. How about you? 
I mean, oh, were you the same way, or were you still sort of no, aimless? No, I was still sort of aimless. Yeah, I, I was aimless and couldn't um, couldn't grasp the concept of a loving God that that was you know full of grace and mercy and stuff. It was all very much punishing, and you do harm, you get punished type of thing. And so mm. it, I, I was very aimless um, and trying to trying to hold on to the relationship trying to you know do my part of keeping up because i was just performing just like i would on the ball field or something you know mm -hmm. um but i was lost and it looking back it definitely strengthened her relationship um in the lord and, and god used that in in my life because that's the only reason that i stayed somewhat connected to churches and different stuff is as a result of, of our relationship well, and for me, I've always been such a kind of control freak, type A personality, and God's like, all right, I'm uh -huh. give you yeah. something you yeah. cannot control. control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And, yeah. you know, I had no choice yeah. but to surrender. And, I mean, I, so often, you know, I wish, um, I'm so glad I had that experience, but it, it's taught me to learn to cling to Him in the day-to-day, -day, even when things are going okay, right, mm -hmm. and not just when you're at your wit's end and there's mm -hmm. nowhere else to turn. Yeah, definitely. And and I've certainly learned that too over the years, but you know, I'm hard headed and I thought I could do it. I can fix this, I can beat this, I can overcome this and the whole surrender to win concept was foreign to me. Um and our it, hmm. did it make her angry in our relationship? It it certainly did, but it was it's such an up and down because I can distinctly look back and remember times when I would go into detox or I would go through a program and she that anger would turn to joy and happiness and she was so excited. And then inside, I'm full of fear, like, man, can I do this? You know, am I going to relapse? Like, what am I going to do? Only to let them down again and have to start all back over again. It was so, on one hand, I'm full of fear because I'm scared I can't do it. And she's excited. Um, so it was definitely an up and down for a long, long time. Jody, did you feel any of that fear? Like when he, like maybe not the very first time he went, but when he relapsed and then went back again, I mean, was that ever in your mind? Oh, like, is sure. this really going to work? Or For sure. Um, I think I was so naive to the whole thing of how it worked and just um, the disease of addiction and had never dealt with anything like that. And I remember when he went to his first program, it was a six-week six week program, which we had just moved into a new home. We had a, a one-year-old. Wow. Um, you know, life was kind of nutty as it was. And then he went into that program. And, again, at that time, six weeks, it sounds so silly to say because six weeks is nothing. But it seemed like it was a lot. Of course. Time. I mean. And, man, I was so Pollyanna afterwards, like, oh, we're cured. You know, like, he's, he's done the program. He graduated. He's going to meetings. I think he rededicated his life and got baptized and, you know, all the things. It. And so I thought we were cured. So, of course, when he then relapsed again, um, I don't know, eight months later or something yeah, like that. I don't um, yeah, I was devastated. And then, you know, I was having those thoughts of like, oh, my goodness, like, is this just going to be the cycle? And is this just my lot in life, mm -hmm. you know? When you, when you relapsed, did you tell her? Okay. Did you find out? I mean, were you in it for a while before Jody realized again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would be in it for a while. Um, like she said earlier, I, I could keep it you up pretty cover. well. I, I could cover up. Um, but then 
the longer you do it or the longer we're together and when I'm in and out of several different programs, she would catch on to something you begin to a, notice a lot the quicker. Signs and and then, mm-hmm. But, I, but as an addict, we, we lie so well and we manipulate mm-hmm. and we turn things around to where I would actually have her where she was scared to come to me and talk about it because I'm going to spin it around so much and make you think you're the problem. Oh, yeah. So don't approach me. By the end of the conversation, I feel like I was the crazy one. Yes, and and I was very good at at deflecting and very good at performing in that way, too, uh, so that I could get away with it. Um, But, uh, you know, eventually it got to the point where she was done. She had had enough. So when you say that, when you say she'd had enough, what did that mean? Because we'd gotten to the point um, where our kids were now seven and four, and so they were growing. They weren't babies anymore. Our oldest, Lawson, was seven, super intuitive, and I felt like you know I couldn't hide it from them anymore. Um, and it was kind of that thing of as a mother, like I can put up with a lot, but I'm not going to have my children grow up in this chaos. So it was kind of more of that protective mother thing of like something's, something's got to change. I'm not going to continue to do this yeah. now that they're old enough, you know, to understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. So how did you even find out? Obviously, you've gone. How many times did you go through? So this was, this was probably six, I think. Because, wow. you know, I, I remember... Like she said, when I got home from the six-week program, which was called Penfield, you know, she was so full of excitement. Okay, he's, he's cured, kind of, he's good. But I remember my first trip to detox was a couple of years before that, and I can I distinctly remember coming home from detox. Like I was literally there a week or two, and it's like everybody in the family who knows that you've gone to detox, now they expect you to be fine. Yeah. After detox, you know, like, okay, now he's good. And inside, I'm like, eh, I don't really feel no, don't good. Feel you know, I'm not, I'm not withdrawing like I once was, but I don't think I've got this thing beat. And they all think that you do. And life's going to go back to how it was years ago before you ever were controlled by a substance. Um, and I still remember I, one of our first conversations on, you know, in the counselor's office at that detox. And she asked Jody, well, how do you think Brad's doing? And she was like, well, he. I think I'm looking at a man that's on top of his game and he's admitted that he's got a problem and he's going to be fine. And then she looked at me and said, is that how you feel? And I was like, "Mm, no, that's not how I feel. And that's one of the first times that I was even honest enough because when you say would I tell her the truth, no, I wouldn't. I would lie to her because I cared so much about how she looked at me. Mm. And I would lie to her to keep her from looking back at me in the way that she would if I told her, I've relapsed and I've and I messed up again. And today I know that she deserves a truth no matter what <laughs> and not a version of the truth that I can spin um, and so that she looks at me differently. And I live my life a lot differently today. That's a powerful yeah. thing you just said. She deserves the truth. She does. You know, and I think, you know, wh- whoever's listening, whatever your walk is at this point, you know, that's that's huge in every area, mm-hmm. you know that not being truthful to protect, to make come up with a reason why we can't be or mm-hmm. won't be is, is never, is never going to be good. No, it's not. It, it's always going to be damaging. It is, because at the end of the day, your reality is your reality. The mm-hmm. truth is the truth, regardless of how you spin it or what mm-hmm. you say. You know, if you ask me, am I using or what am I doing, I can lie to you all day long, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't mm-hmm. change my reality. And once you start facing that, then you got something to work with. Mm-hmm. And it was huge for me. 
How did you hear about No Longer Bound? Through our counselor, who was was a huge part of our story, certainly a vessel that God used in a mighty way. Um, he was familiar with No Longer Bound, and he's the one that made that recommendation. I'd obviously never heard of it, um, and he suggested that. And so we thought, well, okay, this this is what, what we'll try to do because we've never done uh, a residential extended stay program like this one no longer bound was 10 months at the time yeah just sort of a last gasp effort on your part thinking oh, for sure you for know sure. you said you'd come to that point where you're like i can't keep going on like this yeah it was so much so that like i even said to him like i'm i'm done like i, I cannot do this anymore i can't live in this chaos anymore but you know those kids they're not going to have a different daddy like you're you're it and so <laughs> mm. you um you need to straighten up for them and this is what we're going to try and so yeah I mean we, we didn't know how it was going to turn out for us when when I took him to no longer bound mm-hmm. but we knew it was what he needed yeah and I'm so grateful for that because you know the, the counselor that we were seeing mentioned it and, and Jody distinctly said like you know I'm done but you'll always be Lawson and Bella's dad and if you ever want to even be in their life you'll go to this program mm-hmm. uh and and I wanted I can remember calling calling Penfield back, you know, the six-week programs. I'm like, 10 months, man, that's, you know, that's a long time. Like, let me go back to the six-week place. And um, But God knew what I needed. And for me, it was every two years. So I'd go to detox. Then a couple of years later, I'd be back in something. So up to 12 years of in and out of programs before wow. finally landing in one that was – um, that was almost a year and really getting there thinking, okay – She's done. We've been together since high school. Uh, I've been in and out. She's put up with a lot. Um, but God knew how much I love my kids, and that was the reason that I went. But it's certainly not the reason that I stayed. Um, okay, one more question, and we're going to wrap up this first session. There will be part two, people, so uh, make sure you listen next week. Okay, you make the arrangements. You're going to No Longer Bound. You take them there and leave him. Jody, you first, and you, Brad. What are you thinking as you're driving away? Um, you know, mostly I was flooded with relief. It was relief for me that that um, he had gotten to this place, that we'd heard about this program. And I was encouraged because I could tell through the interview process that it was different than the other place we'd been. Um, I was so angry and so done, I didn't have – the intention to drive him there. A friend was going to actually take him <laughs> Uber there. Uber is taking him uh, yes, place. I had yeah. done that enough. Yeah. Uh, but I remember the phone call I had with No Longer Bound, and it said, listen, we know you are just over it and you're kind of done, but we would really encourage you to bring him because we're not just about him. We're for the whole family. We want to mm. see restoration of the family, so we're concerned about you and your kids too. And so I thought, well, that piqued my interest enough. So I did take him, and... Um, I remember them just sharing a little more with me, you know, in the interview process. And I thought, well, this, you know, this is interesting. And they went and talked about how they were not a rehab, but they were a regeneration program. They were going to regenerate or they regenerated men into the, you know, creatures God intended them to be. And so I was hopeful. I was relieved um, just that the chaos after living in it for that long had been removed and that he was safe and I could go on about, you know, taking care of the kids and doing what I need to do at home. Mm-hmm. How about you? Cars pulling away, leaving you there. Cars pulling away, leaving me there, and I just knew uh, that my life was over. 
uh, when when, wow. when Jody looked at me and said uh, during that interview she's talking about, she was like, "They're saying interview like if you get in, if you don't get in, I don't know what you're going to do because you're not coming back with me. I'm done, um, and no matter what, uh, we're through." And I stayed, and I just thought that you know that part of my life was over with, but. I was willing to stay and go through it because I did have such a love for my kids. And I thought, well, you know, this is, I've been through several different programs before and I can, you know, I can keep up, I can perform, I can do well in this program too, to where she'll let me see the kids and I'll get them. So I thought that part of my life was over with, but now I jump into performance mode. It's just rehab performance mode. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all I know how to do. And, so I went down, it was a hill that you go down and we call it going down the hill. And I met everyone and, you know, um, thought that that part of my life was over. And I wondered, uh, what in the world the next part of it would look like, but I was convinced that she had had enough and she was through. And looking back, I was actually, I was actually thankful for that because I was like, you know, good for her. She has finally put up with enough and forced me to um, to get my act together for Lawson and Bella, um, but I had no idea what God had in store for me, and I'm wow. grateful. That is a, it's a good place to stop. So <laughs> uh, obviously listeners out there, that you know that that's not the rest of the story, and so we're going to catch up with the rest of the story next week. So until then, let me just encourage you to, whatever your situation is, man, just keep on forging. 